It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. I'm going to ask you a sensitive question. You're the radio woman? The existence of fairies has never been a question. The answer is no. They're real. You didn't let me ask the question. Very real. So, what am I looking for? There's something going on out there at night. Woods. Anybody who started to ask questions later on was either permanently silenced or encouraged to be silent by the evidence that others were being systematically permanently silenced. What would fairies really look like? Really look like? What I'd like to know is, why did you bring her to me? Me. Would they look more like us? Spiteful, malignant, deadly, deadly. In his dissertation, Demonology, published in 1597, several years before his new authorized version of the Bible, King James uses the term fairies to describe demonic entities. In other Christian doctrine, fairies are described as a special class of demoted or fallen angels. Ancient folklore describes a tithe or a fee that, as fallen angels trapped between heaven and hell, fairies must pay to escape their limbo. Full disclosure, I'm a skeptic. If you ask me which of the following best explains a seemingly unexplainable encounter in the woods involving strange lights and sounds, fairies, aliens, ghosts, or DMT, a common psychedelic tryptamine compound found in our brains, I'm going to go with the DMT. Elliot Waters told me that he'd most likely pick the DMT as well. But, in the rare case that it wasn't something scientifically explainable like DMT, if it was something else, something otherworldly, it was something from beyond the fade. He believes that demons, ghosts, aliens, poltergeists, all of these names we use to describe the paranormal or supernatural, that they're all the same thing. Fairies. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. From the Public Radio Alliance in Minnow Beats, Wales, you're listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Stay with us.
Last time on Ferry, we spoke with Elliot Waters, a man who made a number of surprising claims, including the fact that he was part of an ancient underground organization known only as the Department, until that operation was recently shuttered. My conversation with Elliot Waters continues. Okay, so could you please do your best to clarify the purpose or mission of the department? I understand your skepticism, and I don't expect you to believe in these things, at least not yet. Well, it's not that I don't have a desire to believe. I do. It's just that... It's hard. I know. I understand. Right. So, the department. I'm going to lay it out in as simple terms as possible. Great. Like I mentioned earlier, the department has existed for ages, perhaps as long as recorded history. Okay. At certain points in our world's history, the fade was or is very close, and there are occasional tears in the veil. And you believe that this is when fairies come through into our world? Yes. One of the responsibilities of the department, other than protecting the Fae while here in this world, was to guide these lost Fae folk who had stumbled into our world back into the Fae. They just come through? Well, it's not easy passing through the Fae, but there are frequent accidents, among other events. What kinds of other events? Darker more dangerous things would occasionally find or force their way through the veil into our world. And what would happen then? We would have to send them back. You would send them back into the Fade? Yes. And how did you do that? By either opening a gate ourselves or finding a rift in the veil, an access point between worlds. You have to understand that for me, along with most of our listeners, all of this sounds kind of out there. Yes, I understand. And a bit complicated. It's pretty simple, really. We keep the Fae folk safe from us, keep us safe from them, and by keeping watch over the veil between the worlds, we keep both of us safe from the ones who feed. You mentioned that phrase earlier, the ones who feed. Could you explain? The old gods. Could you give me a bit more? There are certain dark cosmic forces that have existed since the beginning of time. Maybe something a bit more concrete. Mr. Waters? I'm afraid we're going to have to stick with old gods for now. Okay. So what else can you tell me about the department? The department existed to monitor and engage the Fade when necessary. A large part of our work was simply this watching and temperature taking, but 
Now there's nobody watching. You're watching. Yes, but I'm afraid one person is nowhere near enough. Are there no other former operatives or bosses or anybody in the know concerned about these ones who feed? I can't get in touch with anyone. I've been locked out. That sounds... Convenient, I know. But it's true. I joined the department on my 20th birthday. Both of my parents had been agents. A few years after I joined, things changed. We started experiencing less and less contact from the fate. Eventually, the sightings and reports stopped altogether. We hadn't had contact from the fate in 10 years. That's a long time. It was unprecedented. There was no evidence for a break like that in the past, and this was global. We assumed it was only a matter of time before we'd have a sighting, but the fate were gone. Finished. The door was closed. The door? It's metaphorical. What do you mean? I mean, moving into and through the fate is complicated. There are many factors. Play lines related to star positions, fade proximity, interference, influenced by the Fae, and a few other factors. So, let's stick with a door for now. A door that appears to be closed. Perfect. When you say global, you clearly mean the department isn't limited to the United States? That's correct. Although the seat of power has been on U.S. soil since the merger in the early 20th century, the department is, or was, an international concern. Near the end, all of our field offices were working with skeleton crews. With the silence of the Fade, there really wasn't all that much to do. Right. I don't suppose there would be. Where are they now? The former agents? Well, like I mentioned, by the end, there weren't that many of us left. Many were happy to retire, and others simply scattered or were shuffled to other governmental organizations. You also mentioned earlier that one of the responsibilities of the department was to keep humans safe from the Fae folk. What did you mean by that? You know how Superman has unique abilities because of Earth's yellow sun? I'll have to take your word on the Superman mythology. Their physiology is different here. It gives them power. Okay. While in our world, the Fae have certain abilities. Like, what kind of abilities? They're unique to each particular denizen. So, what, every fairy has their own unique ability? Yes, in general terms, there is some crossover, however. Could you give us an example of one of these abilities? Sure. Um, a changeling can influence the conscious mind of a human being. Make them believe that a light had changed from red to green. 
for example. We'll have more on changelings and the specifics of Mr. Waters' department and what they may or may not have represented. But right now, I'd like to play another section of my interview with Mr. Waters, where we discuss his decision to participate in this podcast. So, I'm having a hard time reconciling a couple of things. Just a couple? Well, it's certainly engaging material. What can I help you reconcile? Your participation in this podcast. What do you mean? I mean, if there is, or was, a top-secret organization aware of the existence of another world, of magical creatures... The term magical is troubling. What word would you use? The fair just... It's all science. It's just science with a different set of rules. Okay, so let's put the question of the existence of these others aside for now. Fine. Shouldn't you be keeping all of this a secret? What do you mean? I mean, why speak with me on the record? Because the fair back. And your former organization is no longer around to protect them. Yes. It feels like if something this important was, forgive me for saying this, real, then, well... I understand your skepticism, but ours is, or was, a highly secretive organization. Right. But if the department is, or was, real, and the fair back in our world... Yes. Shouldn't somebody, I mean, other than yourself, care? Yeah, you would think. Somebody or something is working to keep the department retired. A conspiracy. Mr. Waters. I don't like to use that word. Conspiracy. It makes us feel like reality television. What word would you prefer? Nothing else fits quite as well, so we're stuck wearing the tinfoil hat, I'm afraid. What is it that makes you believe there's a conspiracy keeping the department from reopening? That's easy. You said it yourself. Okay. The Fae have returned, and nobody seems to care. There was more. Waters went on to tell me that every single one of his efforts to get in touch with his former employers had been blocked. All electronic and digital assets deleted, and all reference to Mr. Waters and his connection to his former operation erased. Online communications, bank account payments, health insurance, everything. He told me it's as if the department never existed. And that's the problem. What if it didn't? Yeah, 
the department, Area 51, chemtrails, Illuminati, the Meacham Radiance, nothing but fiction, I'm afraid. Fun fiction, mainly, but fiction nonetheless. That's Dr. Emmett Fisk, Professor Emeritus of Applied Philosophy at the University of North Carolina. There's a long worldwide history. A great many people have believed in fairies through the years. From the brilliant fakery of the Cottingley fairy photographs by Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths to the Rossendale fairy photographs of John Hyatt of Lancashire. In your exploration of fairies, have you ever come across them tied to an agency charged with their protection? Dr. Fisk? Well, there was an order of ancient druids in Europe that were tied to these types of rumors. What kind of rumors, exactly? Well, they were supposed to protect the fair folk, as I referred to them, to escort them back home should they become lost. Anything else? There is something. A group of college students went missing up here about four years ago. They showed up later, claiming they'd gone out to find a strange circle of stones deep in the forest. They took some photos and had lunch, and when they came back, a month had passed. They claimed to have no memory of those missing days and none of their alleged photographs showed up on their phones. It sounds like college kids just messing around. Maybe. But one of them, a young woman, had become pregnant. The likely date of conception fell right in the middle of that missing time. Perhaps concern about the nature of her pregnancy was the reason for their story about missing time. That's certainly possible, and I'm sure that was a primary consideration to the investigators at the time. What I think you'll find interesting is that she'd become obsessed with finding out what happened to her out there within that ring of stones. She became convinced there was an organization she referred to as the department that could help her. She used those words, the department? Yes, but apparently, like most of us, she was unable to find anything concrete about that mysterious organization. There is one other thing. What is it? Her child disappeared from the same area last year, and the mother was the prime suspect. Dr. Fisk sent me a list of names and a few links. We've been asked not to reveal the names of the three others who had initially gone missing with a young woman, but there are a few things I can share with you here. First, although nobody could account for the missing month, outside of that missing time, everybody involved claimed that nothing violent or illegal took place within their group. Second, they spoke about following lights, lights that led them deep into the woods and eventually to that circle of stones they were looking for. None of them could remember much of anything after that, but they all complained of headaches for months after their experience in the woods. The young pregnant woman gave birth nine months after they returned from the forest and lost her daughter two years after that. She refused to give any interviews about her daughter's disappearance and there's no information online other than the usual speculation about the mother's state of mind and some possible connection to what may have happened in the woods when she went missing with those three young men three years earlier. All four former college students who had disappeared for that month have all since moved away from the Pacific Northwest. I'm going to continue to try and track down all four of those former students, in particular, the young woman who lost her daughter. But in the meantime, Elliot Waters had uncovered some new information. What am I looking at? 
combined security and ATM camera footage from the street corner where you stopped me from stepping out into traffic. Where did you get this? From a private investigator. Must have been expensive. Yeah, but he had a specific technology I needed. What kind of technology? A suite of cutting-edge surveillance applications that just entered beta. Okay, so what am I looking for? The changeling. The changeling? The creature that made me believe that the light had changed. Okay, can you tell me again what a changeling is? Mr. Waters? At this point, Elliot Waters paused the footage and told me a story. In the mid-1970s, in a medium-sized town fairly close to Portland, Oregon, there was a toy company that manufactured a series of very realistic-looking and sounding dolls. They provided the dolls to hospitals and nurses for training and donated them to schools to help young, expectant mothers transition to the real thing. The dolls were incredibly lifelike. They would cry, a cry that sounded exactly like an actual infant and only a slow, measured rocking motion would stop the sound. One day, the company received a call from an angry nursing student. She was furious that the doll wouldn't stop crying, no matter how much she rocked it. She shook it, threw it against the wall, but it just kept crying. She asked her parents to help, and they couldn't get the thing to stop crying either. Eventually, her father had to take it out to his work shed and hit it with a hammer. This finally shut it up. When the police arrested the family, none of them could understand why. When the nursing student's sister came home from work, she went directly upstairs to wake her baby. Her family told her the baby was sleeping peacefully upstairs in her crib, but what she found in the crib wasn't her child. It was the doll. What they found in the father's work shed, however, was something the family would spend the rest of their lives trying to come to terms with. That's the work of a changeling. There's no way that's a true story. It sounds like an urban legend. Yeah, well, I wish that was the case. Okay, so where is the changeling in this footage? It's uh, just a few seconds before I step over the curb. Keep looking over here. The kid with the backpack? No, just behind him. Which person? The woman pushing the stroller. Really? Just keep watching. Oh. On the video, a crowd of normal everyday people are walking along the street perpendicular to the road we're about to cross. First, we see a man checking something on his phone. Next to him, a young couple talking, perhaps arguing about something. Then, the young man with the backpack, and finally, the woman pushing the stroller. She's fairly tall, wearing a cream-colored trench coat and tight black pants. She's pushing a stroller. She looks 
for all intents and purposes, like any young mother pushing a stroller along a city street. That is, until she turns. When she turns to face us, and also the security camera, she has a smile on her face. It's not her smile that's terrifying. It's the fact that, when she turns to face us, her head goes all the way around. It's horrifying. Nobody around her appears to notice, and as she's moving away, her head sitting completely backwards on her body, she smiles and stares. It's so unnatural. I feel lightheaded and weak in my stomach. Then, Elliot Waters steps into the intersection, and directly in front of that bus. The disturbing scene ends. You've been listening to Fairy. I'm Ryan Bailey. Fairy is a ParCast production, available exclusively on Spotify. Fairy is produced by Terry Miles, produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Silver and me, Ryan Bailey. Associate Producers, Carlene Bennett and David James. Executive Producers, Terry Miles and Hollis Adams-Lane. If you enjoy Fairy, you'll love our other shows, Tannis and Rabbits, at tannispodcast.com and rabbitspodcast.com. For legal and safety reasons, we've elected to change some names and leave others out entirely. We don't do this very often, but we're unwilling to compromise people's safety for any reason. Thanks again for listening to Fairy. Fairy.